0: Welcome to the Get Writing Podcast. I'm your host, Liz McGavro, and I'm obsessed with all things writing, creativity, and telling your stories in your authentic voice, because I believe a good story can change the world. Ever since I was a little girl with my nose in a book, I dreamed of being an author. I wanted to see my books in bookstores everywhere. I wanted to talk about books. I wanted to soak up everything about the craft. My celebrity crushes were mostly authors. And I could feel in my bones that the writer's life was my destiny. Fast forward to today. Along with my alter ego Kate Conti, I'm an Agatha Award-nominated best-selling author with three mystery series. But it wasn't all smooth sailing along the way. I experienced many setbacks, crushing self-doubt, a lot of career detours, and I even lost my voice a few times when I let the world get in my way. Until I learned that writing was so much more than just a skill set you learned and developed over time. It's also an inside job that flourishes when you heal all the wounds that are stifling your creativity, which is no easy task. So if you're a writer of any kind, or if you've always wanted to write but aren't sure where to start, this is the place for you, my friend. We're going to talk about all things writing process, craft, strategies to help you get writing and stay writing, the daunting world of agents, editors, and publishing. And because I'm using my authentic voice, I'm gonna throw in a little woo-woo for you too. So let's get writing, shall we? I'm your host, Liz McGavro, and I have a special guest today, a historical fiction author named Shirley Novak, who recently published her first book, which obviously that alone makes her special, but really the fact that she wrote and published this book in her mid-70s was so inspirational that I knew I had to talk to her for the show. And not only that, but she's just got a mindset about writing and about life in general that I'm envious of. I mean, she really knows how to think about life. She knows how to think about things in a positive way. She just is so full of life and she's always looking for something new. There's none of that. Oh, I'm, you know, too old to do X, Y, or Z. I mean, it's just so refreshing. And the premise of her book is super interesting too. It goes back to the conversation I had with memoir author Dave Singleton, who talked about mining your life for stories, which was episode number four, if you missed it. But Shirley took a tragic event that happened to her dad and used it as a jumping off point and wrote a work of fiction around it, which I love. And in doing so, it was cathartic for her and her ancestors to get some revenge on some really bad people. So here's a little about her. Shirley graduated from Fisher College in Boston with a degree in laboratory science. After she had her three kids, she went back to school to become an interior designer and has been running her own business for the past 38 years before turning to writing as a new career. And so like that alone too, right? She never thought about writing really before this. I mean, she talks a little bit about an experience she had in her fourth grade class with a teacher who was really supportive of her writing. And so she, you know, kind of filed it away as something she would like to do, but it was never something she thought about as a career. And then, you know, in her seventies, she decided, Hey, I'm going to do it. So I just, I love that so much. So this conversation was so much fun. And Shirley is truly a role model for things I talk about. Like you're never too old to start. You're never too old to try something new. And mindset is everything. So let's jump right into our talk. I can't wait to introduce her to you. Hey, Shirley, welcome to the Get Writing Podcast.
1: Thank you. Thank you for having me.
0: I'm glad you're here. So tell us about you. You're a historical fiction author. You just published your first book and would love to hear about it.
1: Well, um, I have a lot of previous professions, but I've always wanted to write a book. I had a book in me, and I guess right before the pandemic was when I found the time, I'm going to sit down and write myself a book. And my, my father had a very interesting story. The beginning of his life was very unusual because, like other immigrants, he came over here from Eastern Europe in the beginning of the 20th century, that's very similar to a lot of other people and that's what signifies the dot 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 in the title. But when he was twelve years old, his mother died, and his father, who was nasty, mean, horrible person, left he in the care of a brothel along with his nine-year-old brother. And while he was in the brothel, he was raped by a Polish soldier. Oh. His father came to America and said, I'll send for you when I have money, and it took three long years. Now, that part of the book is true. The rest of the book is fiction, but I felt like I had a lot of meat to start with to create a really good story, and in the book, I have the Polish soldier that raped him coming back into his life in America, and so the rest of the book is revenge, murder, mayhem, kidnapping, love... (laughs) Oh, all the fun all things. The, all the good things that go into a good book. <laughs> and um, it just came out of me. It just flowed out of me. And I was very lucky. I got a publishing company immediately and who loved it. And now I'm on my second book.
0: That's amazing. And I love the, I love the merging of the real-life story with the fiction. Um, I had talked about this on a previous podcast with uh, a friend of mine who was a memoir writer. And we talked a lot about you know, how you can mine your life for stories, but they don't have to be specifically related to a memoir or a biography or or something like that, and how you can kind of take those nuggets and make those, you know, kind of use your imagination and let it run wild and see where the story might take you. Was that a difficult choice to make, given that this was about your dad?
1: I was sort of able to separate myself from it. Um, I think the most difficult part of the book was that I had his 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 father and his step stepmother were very much part of my life growing up, and they were as evil and as horrible people as could be imagined. And I think writing about them just got my blood boiling, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. <laughs> because they were real people, and I did not change their names in the book because I felt they did that they deserved to be thrown under the bus. They were so awful.
0: Yeah.
1: And, um, but other than that, I mean, the rest of the, I kept telling myself it's fiction, it's fiction, this isn't real. And I had a, I, I hated it ending. In fact, I had a really difficult time with the, with the final chapter because I didn't want to let it go. It's like a a child, Mm -hmm. you know, it becomes part of you and I just didn't want to let it go, but I did. And it's gotten great reviews. I've been doing book, a lot of book clubs, podcasting, signings, and it's a whole new world for me.
0: That's so great. So what would you, so thinking about, you know, it's historical fiction and, you know, you said there's a lot of, a lot of themes thrown in there. What would you pull out as the main one or two themes that really drove the way the story ended
1: up? Endurance. Mm. Um, no matter how bad life may may seem, and no matter what life throws at you, there can always be a light at the end of the tunnel if you strive for that. And um, like, I wake up every morning and I think I'm I'm going into my own parade because I really have a very positive outlook on life. Oh, I love that. <laughs> <laughs> Today's Shirley's parade, um, and. I just think that life is a gift. It's a wonderful gift, and you make the most of it. And people who, people who sit by and do nothing and just say, oh, me, why me? I can't, I can't, I can't. Um, they can. Yeah. They can. You can. And I feel sorry for people like that because they can't get out of their own way. In my father's case, he came to America he learned to trade. He became a very well-respected furniture maker. And he did very well. And he learned English. He came over here not knowing one word of English. And he taught himself. He went to school and he learned. And when he died, the eulogies, I mean, he was still, he was never wealthy. He was successful in life, but he was never wealthy. And when he passed away, 300 people showed up as his, at his funeral. Wow. And it was on the 4th of July, so we didn't think anybody would come. And they gave him glowing eulogies. He was just a wonderful person, very dignified, very humble, very respectful. And um, I think my takeaway from the book is that, you know, no matter how bad life seems, no matter how how adversarial things may be in your life you can turn it around you just have to want it uh-huh. and um he did he did and that that was you know when i sat down to write this i really didn't have any idea in mind as to what i was writing about i knew i was writing about him at the beginning but where I took it from there was a a complete enigma to me. I was as surprised as anyone, (laughs) you know, when I saw what I was coming up with.
0: Yeah. A hundred percent though, mindset is so critical. Um, And I want to talk about that for a minute because it sounds like you had a really great foundation for that from your dad and, you know, you have that tendency yourself to you know, really look for the positive. But when you were, I know you've had multiple careers, you came to writing kind of later on in life. Um, Was it a challenge for you to keep that attitude as you were, you know, looking at this whole new challenge? What was that like for you?
1: I've always been, I knew I always had a talent for writing. You know, um, I would write poetry. I always wrote short stories and things like that as a kid. And as I was growing up, I helped my kids with their term papers and I always loved to write. I never thought I'd publish a book. But um, finally, I said, you know what? You do have a story to tell. Why not sit down and write? Whatever happens, happens. And um, because my careers are so diverse. I mean, I started out with a degree in laboratory science, and I was a surgical assistant. And from there, I went on to teach anatomy and physiology wow <laughs> and i went on to teach the medical assisting program at a at a school and then i went back to school and became an interior designer and i've had a interior design practice for almost 40 years wow and i consider myself mostly resigned from that right now i just want to write i love it so how, how old were you when you started writing this book i'm curious. I was 74 when I started writing it. I was 75 when it got published. That's amazing. And now I'm 76.
0: Amazing.
1: But that's chronological. Yeah. I I am mentally 17. Yeah. I never grew up. <laughs> and and I think that's a good thing. Yeah. You know, and I keep very active. I am never sitting down except when I'm talking to you right now. I am, but um, yeah, I I keep very active and I keep my mind going. It's like use it or lose it. Absolutely. So people are always surprised when they find out how old I am. I think that's great, though. So I mean, I, I want to spend a
0: minute on that because that's you know I, a lot of things I hear. So I I have a membership site for writers, and you know the people who. Um, come to the site or, or or come to the membership. Are you know usually coming back to writing or or just starting writing for the first time? You know after they've been working in other careers or you know have you know their their kids are grown or or something like that. And and I hear from so many people who are you know thirty or forty years younger saying, "Is it too late for me to start doing this now?" And it's it, it's amazing how we have this you know preconceived notion of how our life is supposed to play out for, you know, chronologically and very rarely works that way. So what would you tell people, you know, who are thinking about changing careers like this?
1: If you wake up in the morning and you're able to take a breath and open your eyes, it's not too late. It doesn't matter what you want to do. It's not, it's never too late. As long as you're breathing and alive and you have your health, you can do, you can do it. Um, otherwise you might as well just toss it all in and do nothing. Um, yeah. So my feeling is this is my career right now. I don't know what I'm going to do when I grow up. I might be something else. (laughs) Um, (laughs) My kids are, you know, like they're amazed and I think that's good because it shows them that, you know, you can always do it. It's never going to be too late. Yeah. And uh, so I think it's a good lesson for them. And I'll tell you something. I I grew up in a home where, yes, my father was amazing. He worked very hard. He was a very quiet, dignified man. My mother, on the other hand, was extremely negative. Hmm. And she would always tell her children what they cannot do, not what they can do. Oh, don't even try it, you'll never get it. Don't even go there, you'll never be able to go there or do it. Or, She always told us what we couldn't do. And I have two very successful brothers. And when we get together, we talk about it. and We say, you know what, we saw in our mother what we did not want to become. And that was just as energizing as if we had very strong parents that showed us how to, what we wanted to emulate we were able to just see what we did not want to emulate. Yeah. And fortunately we were strong enough to go ahead and do that.
0: I feel you on that. My, my mother, I think it was a a fear thing, Uh, but she was very much the same way. She was afraid to let herself do anything. She was afraid to, you know, she, on one hand she gave, you know, her kids, my brother and I, the message that, oh yeah, you can do anything you want, but you know, within, within reason or within reality, there was always that caveat and, you know, her reality wasn't very big. And so you're right. It's, it's, um, you have to like be very resilient and very sure of yourself to kind of get past that thinking.
1: Yeah. And I don't even know where that confidence came from because it really was like poured into me at a very early age. Don't even try it because you'll never get it. Don't even go there. Don't, don't, don't. No, no, no. And the more she said no, 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 I went yes, yes, yes. Yeah. So I guess I was defiant, but in a good way. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, I, you know, my mother didn't live to see me write a book. She did live to be a hundred and five. Wow, that's great. That wasn't that wasn't a good thing. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh no it was not a good thing but um yeah I think she'd be very surprised
0: yeah and proud I think
1: yeah if she still had her wits about her Mm -hmm. I think she would have been she would have been proud but um it's just amazing because you know sometimes you look at children who have been really abused as children and beaten down every step of the way and yet they grow up to be successful and confident and self-assured and you wonder how that happened yeah it doesn't always work that way but there are cases where it has and I think people just have to look inside themselves if they're strong enough to do that and know what they can accomplish absolutely And as far as I'm concerned, the sky is the limit. There's nothing you cannot do if you put your mind to it. I mean, I can't be an astronaut. I definitely, I know I have nothing in me at all that knows how to put wires together. (laughs) But I don't try. So I love it. That's really beyond my realm of thinking. I don't even know how the telephone works. I really don't. It it astonishes me.
0: (laughs) So let's go back to writing because I'm, I'm interested in your, your process and how this came to be. So you started writing and a year later the book was published. Is that, am I getting that right? Okay. Yeah. So Uh, a
1: year later it was accepted by a publisher.
0: Okay. So you wrote it pretty quickly. Did you have any background in, you know, writing? Did you take any courses? Like, did you, did you go to school earlier on for writing? Like, how did you know how to set a book, how to structure a book, how to, you know, get it done?
1: Honestly, I don't know. I just sat down and wrote. Well, I when I was in the fourth grade, and this is in my book, This is my I have one acknowledgment in my book, just one, and it's to Mr. Willett, who was my fourth grade teacher. And he gave us an assignment to write a poem about spring. And he was so impressed with my poem, he made me read it to the entire school. And he took me aside afterwards, and he said, I just want you to know that I think you're going to be a great writer someday, and I don't want you to ever stop writing. I was nine years old. Oh, that's amazing. I never forgot that. And that was the impetus that made me always want to write. When I sat down to write, English has always been my language. I love the language. I'm very good at um, punctuation and you know, things like that. So very little editing actually had to be done. I just sat down. I, you know, I was a voracious reader, so I knew what books looked like. Um, I just sat down and started writing, and I did whatever research I had to do, and I just wrote the book. Don't even ask me how. I, I honestly don't know. It just came. I felt like there was a hand over me, guiding me, showing me what to do, and I did it. And I couldn't just go into Simon & Schuster or Random House and say, here, publish my book. But I didn't want to self-publish. Yep. So I found this company called Fulton Press. They're a hybrid company. And if people don't know what a hybrid company is, they do everything from soup to nuts. You have to put a small amount of money up front, and I think it's a small amount of money. And... If they accept your book, they publish it for you. They do the editing. They do the layout. They do everything. So they didn't charge to read the manuscript, which was also not always the case. And I sent them my manuscript, and they said, we'll call you in a few weeks and let you know if we accept it or not. And they called me in three days. And they said, we'd like to publish you. And then it just went. Bing, bing, bing. I mean, they edited it for me, but I have to say that there wasn't a lot of editing that had to be done. They did the page layout. And then just as it was about to come out on the newsstand, like it was about to come out and be published, pandemic was in and the supply chain was very bad. So it got put off for a few months. But still, I would say I gave them the the manuscript in May of 21 and the book came out in March of 22.
0: Wow. That's great.
1: Yeah. So it was supposed to be out in November of that year, but it didn't. And the other thing they let me do was I, I designed my own cover. Mm. And I've been told that no publishing company really lets you do that.
0: So did you do it yourself? Is that another one of your talents, graphic design, or did you outsource it? No. Okay.
1: No. I, <laughs> I, I explained to them exactly how I saw it in my head. And they would do some drawings and get back to me. And it took a few times. They had the general idea. And then one day they sent me a drawing and that was it. I said, this is what's in my head. No, I can't draw it to save my life. I'm an interior designer, but I cannot draw. Yeah. I can point my finger. <laughs> know, do
0: that's, this. <laughs> that's great. I love what you said, though, about um, how you felt like the message for the book just came to you. Because I believe that if we open ourselves up to getting the download, then the download's going to come to us. So,
1: Well, a few years ago, I'd say about four years ago, five years ago, I did start to take a creative writing course at the local um, at continuing education writing course. And the one thing I learned from taking that is that if you write, you have to just, just sit down and let it go. Just go. Be honest and just don't hold back. If what comes out is okay, fine. You can always go back and change it later. But, you know, I think a lot of people are afraid to put pen to paper or, finger to the typewriter or the computer if they're so afraid like what if it comes out wrong what if what if it doesn't make sense what if what if there are no what ifs you just go ahead and do it and you can always go back and correct it yeah yeah
0: we get so hung up and i i go through this myself i've published you know my 18th book is coming out in a in august Yeah, I think we put a lot of pressure on ourselves to make everything perfect, and that definitely puts a monkey wrench in the downloading of the books, for sure. Because that happens to me still, you know, after you know, eighteen books.
1: Well, life, life. There are no perfections in life, so it shouldn't be expected that your book would be perfect either.
0: Yep. I agree. Um, but we get it, all in our heads and we can't get out of them sometimes. And I think that's what stops so many people from actually making progress with their with their writing, which is also another reason why, you know, I wanted to create a site, a, a place for writers to go where they could talk through some of this stuff so they you know don't just give up because they're out
1: there on their own. I know. And it's amazing to me how many people want to write a book and just haven't done it and it's it's fair it's definitely fair of sitting down pen to paper yep you know the funny thing is is i've i've done a lot of book clubs now and i've gotten one negative comment and you won't believe what that negative comment was <laughs> Yeah, they never, they never fail to surprise me, these negative reviews. Oh, no, this, one, this <laughs> one's a doozy. This is a doozy. She said, um, she said, I really loved your book. I couldn't put it down. She said, but I have one comment. I said, what's that? She said, you've ended some sentences with a preposition. Now, this was a retired English teacher. Oh, geez. <laughs> it cracks me up that that's the one comment, the one negative comment that I got about my book. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And yeah, because we speak, it's how we speak. I guess I write the way we speak.
0: Yeah. Which, you know, it makes it easier and more readable for people for sure.
1: Right. But the second book is coming, um, not quite as easy as the first one did.
0: Yeah. So, all right. So let me go back to your first one. So you, you wrote it within a year. How, how did you do that? Did you write every day? Did you? Okay.
1: I didn't, um, There were some days that I could write 10 pages, and that's really a lot. And there was a week could go by, and I couldn't write anything. I walk three miles every morning, and I did most of my writing in my head during those three miles.
0: Hmm. I love Um,
1: that. I I did not have an outline for the book as to where I was going with it or what what it was going to be about. So when certain things came to my head, I was as surprised as anyone could be. To even think of, oh my God, we're going to go to Ohio. I don't know why. <laughs> so then I have to look up, you know, like what's going on in Ohio in 1922, or you know, things like that to get to get my my um, facts correct. Yep. So uh, I don't know where that stuff came from, but it it just did, and I would get it mostly when I was out walking in the morning. So I'm still walking in the morning, but um, it's not coming quite as easily. So, is this next book a historical
0: fiction book as well? Is that is that the genre that you have decided to play in, or are you
1: are you mixing it up? I'm mixing it up because it actually starts um, the very first page of the book starts with Jacob's death, and Jacob is the character from my first book, and so that's 1984. And then that goes back to, like, nineteen, the early 50s, and then it jumps back to 1984 and the 60s. It it jumps around between, I'd say, the early 50s to present day. Mm, okay. And what it does is it follows. It, it's not a family saga because it's not true. The only thing that's true about it is the day that Jacob dies. Everything else is fiction. But um, it's more of a um, thriller, murder, mystery kind of thing. Awesome. Yeah, which is a little different. Um, I've actually done some research on on mafia. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) So I brought that into this nice Jewish family's life. (laughs) And, yeah, I've mixed it up a little bit, but I'm still a little way from where I'm able to present them with the sample.
0: So do you start with research and then kind of figure out what you're writing about from there? Or do you always start with your story or your characters first?
1: I, I just start with nothing. <laughs> I start with I sat down and I just knew that the first page was going to be the beginning of the end of the first book. Hmm. And then I just went from there and I, I'm just I I develop the story as I go along. I don't have an outline. I've never done an outline. I just sort of fast forward in my head what I want to take place in the future. And then I backtrack from that to get to that place. But I've really done it all in my head. And, um, I don't know if I mentioned this before. I'm, I'm a synesthete, which means that my thinking process is really not the same as a lot of people. And I can't expect other people to do things the way I do. Yeah, I don't know what that means. What does that mean? Um, synesthesis, and I didn't find this out until I was probably 45 years old. Synesthesis is when you have two... Um, like if you're hearing senses and you're seeing senses cross each other in your brain, then you can hear and see at the same time. I have um, my sensors. It's a crossing of sensors. The sensors in my brain that are crossed are um, numbers, colors, shapes. So let's say I see number five. I also see the color red and I see something sharp. Wow. And. My thinking process, I didn't find this out until much later in life. This is why I had a really hard problem with math when I was in school because I couldn't do math the way they taught me to. I had my own way. And the interesting thing is the way I found out that I have it is because my son found out that he has it. And he brought it to the surface. And then we researched it and found out about it and was like, oh, my God. And it's when two senses are crossed it could be more than two and it's congenital but it's not a bad thing I mean I probably became an interior designer because my spatial relations is is good I can walk into a room and I can tell you in five minutes exactly how big it is where what goes where and size and shape and form has it helped you with your writing at all I don't know. Hmm. You know what, I I honestly don't know how to attribute that to that, except that I formulate a lot in my head before it comes out on paper. But a lot of times it's what's going to happen in the future, not what's happening right at the moment. And then I backtrack and make up a story to go with what's about to happen later. Does that make sense?
0: It does. It does. The visual component's interesting, though, because I, I wondered if it if it helped you maybe you know envision scenes a little bit differently, or maybe add in scenes that that might not have crossed your mind if you're thinking about it from a purely storytelling
1: words standpoint. I, I, do, I do visualize the scenes. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, I do visualize the scenes as they're coming down on paper, um, and I think. Most writers, just to get away from that for a minute, I think all writers have a familiarity with whoever their characters are and you develop a relationship with them. And Absolutely. yeah, I mean, I had a character die in my book, my first book. And I remember coming downstairs and I'm crying. And my husband says to me, Why are you crying? And I said, Oh, because so and so just died. And he said to me, But, 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 <laughs> but you the one that killed her you know (laughs) (laughs) you killed her and i said oh okay yeah but i felt so sad because you really do fall in love or hate with your characters yep you know how attached you get to your characters absolutely yes do you like happy endings do i um no (laughs) (laughs) i
0: mean in my so in my cozies Yes, the you know everything everything needs to be restored to good order, um, but I I actually don't like happy endings in books. I kind of like when it's, you know, when something kind of wild happens or when things are left unresolved.
1: I have to agree with you. I do. I have to agree with you, there. Um, But only if you know that something else is coming down the track. Maybe or maybe not, right? Because life doesn't always have happy endings. No, only in fairy tales.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, I think, you know, sometimes I want to, you know, feel happy and, you know, like, okay, this is, things are working out for these people and that's great. Get the warm fuzzies. But other times I'm like, no, I think it needs to be more realistic. And I want to know that, you know, there's somebody out there still struggling now.
1: Yeah, because I think uh, people can relate to that a lot more than, you know, the fairy tale. Yeah. In these days, anyhow, like, I mean, really, there's so much going on. Sure. in the world that it's it's hard you know it's it's hard to always have a happy ending for sure but no matter what things get resolved <laughs> and
0: so would you consider the book so you're working on a book that does pick up where your first book left off so are, are you thinking of these as kind of a series even if people are
1: maybe dying off no okay I, I'm really not because this book is so is so unrelated to the first book. It's just the characters in the book are the offshoot of the main character's children. Got it. But other than that, there's nothing about it that is familiar with the first book. Um, I, I just felt that I knew his family. Well, I knew his family the way I portrayed them in the book. So I thought it was for me, it was easy for me to make the second book about them and their their futures and their offspring and then just bring in outer forces to make it um, a, it's bring in crime i like crime
0: yeah is that what you read typically are you a crime reader or yes. historical I reader love,
1: i love crime i love investigative discovery 60 minutes dateline you know 2020 <laughs> i love real crime stories yeah Um, so that's what I really am interested in and that's what I love to read. I like thrillers. I I love like thrillers and mysteries and crime. I'm not sappy.
0: So even if, even with the broader, um, categorization of historical fiction, would you say your book for your first book falls more into the crime spectrum?
1: No, I think it falls into historical fiction, um, because of all the history that is involved in the book. Uh, there's a lot of um, true, during the Depression, you know, part of it takes place during the Depression. It relates to the Great Molasses Flood um, in Boston. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you know about that. Yes, I'm from Boston. I know, and I am too. So you're aware of the the Big Molasses Flood, Flood? Yes. So that's in there. And, you know, there's a lot of history about Eastern Europe at the beginning, and um, Ziegfeld Follies. There's a lot of things in it that are true about what went on at the beginning of the 20th century.
0: That's awesome. Um, But you think that going forward you're going to be more in the crime sphere? Yeah, Yeah.
1: because I I really, I like crime. Mm. I mean, I don't like crime. I'm not a criminal, but I like reading about crime. (laughs) And so many people do. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. yeah, I love Jane Patterson. And yeah, I like uh I used, I just I like reading true crime novels as well.
0: Yeah, well, I'm, I'm I and I'm I also I like to listen to true crime podcasts and so mm-hmm. I find that they definitely jog my inspiration for, you know, whether it's an idea of something that came up in an investigation or even just taking, you know, a situation that happened to someone, and and saying, you know, all right, how could I make this? How could I change this? Kind of like what you did with your first book. I would guess that it's the same for you. You get inspiration from things that have really happened.
1: Yeah, I mean, when I gr- I grew up in Boston, and I lived around the corner from one of Albert DeSalvo's victims. Ooh, he was the Boston Strangler. Mm-hmm. And I remember having to go out at night during those days. I mean, you were petrified to be out on the streets because he was there.
0: Yeah. Wow, that's wild.
1: And I, I don't know. I think that piqued my interest in, in crime, actually, probably, because um, I was really a kid then. But it was pretty frightening to have him around the corner. Yeah. Yeah killing someone. So yeah, I've always, I've always been interested in things and and also like programs like the twilight zone. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, thinking about third, we're really getting off the subject, but (laughs) thinking about a third dimension and what's out there. So yeah, I guess there's a lot of topics that can be brought into some of my writing, but I don't know if that would appeal to everybody.
0: Yeah. So what would you tell someone who wants to start writing? You know, it could be their first book. It could be early in life. It could be later in life. And they're just not really sure what they maybe want to write yet. What would you tell them as far as kind of figuring out what you're doing and and actually just sitting down and doing it?
1: Just sit down and do it. There's no right or wrong. Just sit down and do it. And if you like it, great. And if you don't, start all over again. Yep. But, or just keep going and then dissect the bits and pieces that you think are really worthwhile or saying what you want to say. Everybody has a story. I do believe that. I believe that everyone who's lived a life of any kind, of any purpose, has a story. And there's no right or wrong way to do it. You just do it. be on I think honesty is very important that you're honest with yourself and honest with your readers. Absolutely. And um, just let it out there. When I when I go to my writing class, we get a prompt and we might have five minutes to write 500 words on the prompt. And you're not allowed to think. absolutely you don't think you just sit down and you start writing you don't even know where you're going with it at the time but when it's completed and you go back and you start reading it sometimes you're just amazed at yourself at what you've come up with yep so I, I think it's a good practice too for people who like to write think about a subject give yourself 10 minutes and just see where you go with it but don't even stop to think just write
0: for sure. Cause then that can catapult you into something completely different or a whole new idea. I love that.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. No, I never would have known that 10 years ago.
0: Hmm. That's great advice. So Shirley, where can people find you? I'll put links in, in the show notes, but just tell people where they can find you, your website, socials and where um, they can buy your book.
1: Well, my book is on Amazon, com. It is an audio book out. Um, it's, it's in you can get it at probably any library or bookstore. If they don't carry it, they'll get it. Um, it's published by Fulton Press. And um, my website on Facebook is Facebook facebook.com forward slash Shirley um, Shirley Hyphen Novak, N O V A C K. And um, I'm on Pinterest and LinkedIn, uh, Twitter. Uh, Shirley B Novak author is also on Facebook. That's another website. And I guess the best place to get it is Amazon because they carry, they have, it's on Kindle, paperback, hardcover, and audiobook. Terrific.
0: Well, thank you so much for being here. I, this was really great to get to know you and to introduce people to your work. And we're really looking forward to what you're going to
1: do next. And Liz, I really look forward to getting your book. Thank you. <laughs> you. <laughs> it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so
0: much. So I hope Meeting Shirley was just as inspirational for all of you as it was for me. I love talking to writers who are just putting themselves out there and doing new things at any age. So I hope this conversation inspires even one person to start that novel without any more of the my time is past ideas in their head. So I'd love to hear what you thought about this episode. Either send me a DM on Instagram and let me know, or head over to kateconti.com and send a message through my website. And if you would want to make sure you rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast, it would really be great to, you know, help me get the podcast in front of more people. So thanks
1: for tuning in and we'll see you
0: next week.